0: One Good afternoon, everybody. It's John Barrows with Make It Happen Monday. Hopefully you all had a fantastic weekend. We actually didn't have a podcast last week or a Make It Happen session to recognize Memorial Day, but did want to pause here for a second and just say thanks to all those men and women go overseas who are kicking ass for us and letting us live this incredible lifestyle of ours. And just as a reminder, everybody, um, the, the Jay Barrows store where you see all this Make It Happen gear. of profits and proceeds goes to veterans in the arts. So if you're looking to support veterans and get some cool gear to motivate yourself, please join, uh, check out the store and we write that big fat check at the end of the year for all the profits that you guys. So I want to thank everybody for the support on that. And also thank you for support on the podcast because we hit a hundred thousand downloads recently, which blows my mind. Really appreciate all the feedback and insights. And with that, I am actually super excited for the today's not that I'm not excited for other ones but I'm really excited for this one. First of all we uh, had to reschedule it once uh, so we're back on track and this is one that I, I have a lot of questions about so I wanted to introduce and welcome our, a friend of mine Chris Orla from uh, Gong. Chris say hi to everybody give a little background your little 30 second about what you where you're coming from and what Gong is all about.
1: Yeah, super excited to be here. Um, It's been too long time of a coming, I think, but my name's Chris. I run product marketing over here at Gong. Um, Short story is previously, I was co-founding a company that was competing with Gong or probably attempting to compete with Gong. That's probably the the more accurate uh, situation. We ended up joining forces. uh, But before that, I was a regional sales manager over at insidesales.com in Provo, Utah. Uh, Started off as an SDR. Worked my way as an account executive, ended up in that last position, and uh, that's my background. Super excited to talk about what we have on the table here.
0: I love it, and and by the way, I gotta give you guys kudos. First of all, you said the new branding's coming out today, so yeah, the new, new brands.
1: No <laughs> new more Gong Blue. It's like the vintage stuff that's hopefully gonna be like sold on eBay for thousands of dollars twenty years from now or something like that. <laughs> I'm sure you got cabinets of it too,
0: so <laughs> keep it closed. But but so your new brand, new website looks awesome. Uh, and one of the things that I just want for everybody out there listening right now, uh, I get asked all the time, John, what um, what podcast should I listen to? What blogs should I read to educate myself? And the number one that I almost always recommend is Gongs because you guys put out some incredible content. that's not just about somebody's opinion or whatever, but really is backed up with data. So I wanted to give you huge kudos on that. We're going to dive into some of those. Um, But I wanted to I wanted to start with kind of a bigger picture. Right. Um, And this is the whole is cold calling dead. I, I hate that question But I'm going to put a little bit of a different spin because I think it's absolute bullshit. I think cold calling is still alive and well if done right. And if it's part of the package, right, Um, you know, it's no longer 100 dials a day and just blindly making cold calls. But the phone is not dead. Um, But something shook me a little while ago. And this is why I'm really interested in your perspective on this. I wrote a blog post probably, I don't want, I want to say a year ago that said, I think the phone is going to make a raging comeback, right? Because I saw a couple of emails written by these artificial intelligence bots that were highly personalized and better than a sales rep could ever write. So I'm like, well, shit, in a year or two, none of us are going to trust a single email that's that's in our inbox because it's all suspect, right? So with that, I was like, well, phone. That's the final frontier that like that's the part that robots and technology is not going to be able to take away from us because of empathy, because of listening to tone and that type of stuff. But then I saw the fucking Google Home <laughs> thing call up and make a hair appointment and then the, the hair appointment was like, holy shit. But when it ordered Chinese food from somebody who could barely speak English. And w- was able to navigate that conversation and do some like and, and be able to understand what that person was saying. I was like, uh oh, so I guess my question for you is with your background with insidesales.com with now, you know, and starting another company. And, and I mean, you guys are all in on phone. That's it. Right. I mean, that's that's what your focus is. So you've bet your entire business and there's a huge amount of money going into this space, too. So. So there's obviously something that says phone is still going to be around, but where do you see the future of phone going um, based with the Google and all that other stuff and and AI stuff
1: going on? So the first first part part of it it is is whether whether cold cold calling calling is dead dead or or not, there's still going to be a phone interaction that's required to close a deal, like usually over a web conference, but let's just narrow the conversation for the sake of having like an, uh, you know, this argument about Google, Um, Is AI going to kill that stuff? And if you think about those Google Home demonstrations and you think about the person who was on the receiving end of that phone call, they're literally paid to take that call. They're not going to hang up on you. And so AI, yes, it's very impressive that it was able to navigate the various paths that that conversation could have gone down. Although I would argue there's probably only three to five paths, so it's not that complicated. But cold yeah. calling is a little different because you're pushing a boulder up a hill. The person on the other line is in constant threat of hanging up on you because they generally don't want to be hearing from you. And so when people come to the conclusion, well, Google Home you know, booked a hair appointment for me, and so cold calling is dead, it's totally a different scenario. It's the same medium, which is a phone call, but world's different scenarios. One of them, somebody is literally paid – no matter how bad of a conversationalist you are, they're not yeah. hanging up on you. <laughs> the other yeah. one, is you could say the same words just with the wrong tone, or you could change one word from a sentence and they'll hang up on you. It's much more sensitive. With all of that said, so my prediction is AI is not going to replace professional sellers making calls, but humans are also horrible at predicting the future. Um, in 2001, we all thought nobody's going to be writing code in 10 years, in 2011, and it's 2018, still so people are writing code. So. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, shit, we all thought the world was going to end in 1999 because all of a sudden there was a war too, right? Yeah, in
1: 2012, even me in 2012, I was like looking out the window see if the Mayans were right on December 21st or whatever it was
0: <laughs> that was my birthday so I threw a bender that, so December 21st is my birthday uh, on 2012
1: 23rd like, represent okay. December
0: there you go so I'm like <laughs> hey if I'm going out I'm going out strong so fuck <laughs> it let's party um but I, I agree with you so, so well then let's take another little bit of a because I I I think that context is perfect in the sense that, you know, when it's somewhat of a predictable path and you're talking to somebody who's paid to take your call, I think, yeah, AI and Google take care of that for me, my assistant. Hey, Google, make me a hair appointment. Hey, Google, you know, make me a reservation at a restaurant. Cold right. call different when it could go a million different tracks. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, although, you know, you see you, you see the intersection to a certain degree, because people tr- have tried to script out like when you go to an outsource cold calling company, they try to script out, hey, if they say this, then do this. If they say that, then do this. So I can see where somebody's going to try to do it, whether it's going to be successful or not, is the other story. The other layer to this, though, is the generational divide. Right. In the sense that one of the things I tell kids when I make, you know, when I'm doing my training is one of the big reasons I recommend you make phone calls. Well, there's two and I'll get to the second one. But the first one is Gen Xers. I'm a Gen Xer 42. We're now the decision makers. Right. So and I grew up on the phone. So there are people and you bring in neuro linguistic programming and there's different types of communicators. So. You know, if you send all emails, you're reducing your chances of connecting with a, a decent part of the population. But do you think that cold calling, when, when millennials take over, right, really take over decision making, when they hit their 40s and that type of stuff, how, where do you see phone fitting into that? Because millennials didn't grow up with a phone like this, they grew up with it like this. So do you <laughs> think that, that, that that's going to have a big impact on the actual usage of phone in the future?
1: So here's what I would say. First of all, if the phone dies in the most literal sense of the word, meaning it is no longer a communication platform, then obviously cold calling is going to be dead. But that's, you know, very uncertain as to whether that could happen. The second thing I would say is part of the effectiveness of a communication channel is its novelty, not necessarily its newness, but how infrequent are people bombarded on that channel? And right now, very few people are getting hit with the phone because either people think cold calling is dead or most millennials are, frankly, the, really, the real underlying reason is they're scared to make a cold call. It's a terrifying thing to do. Holy and so it's kind of like LinkedIn InMail. When LinkedIn like, first became popular, if you got an InMail, it was like, oh, goody. I got a message from somebody. I never get messages from, and so you would like respond and it was super effective. And now you're spammed uh, to Sunday on LinkedIn, you don't respond. And so that's really long way of me saying if nobody is making calls, but Mm -hmm. people still have phones, you have, you have the opportunity of a lifetime to bring novelty back to the phone. Now they're bombarded in email and social media, and they're getting tweeted at. Yeah. And so when they get a phone call, again, I'm a human, could be horrible at predicting the future. But you know yeah. the one phone call they get a week, it's a novelty. So they're yeah. going to answer, and it's going to be an effective conversation. Uh, see, I said I love that because there was a
0: uh, I was I was at a conference a little while ago. and This was actually two years ago when you know same questions, cold calling, dead bullshit, whatever. And and one of the re- like uh, somebody asked this panel of executives who were sitting. there, like, the hey, what's the newest, coolest app? You know, like, to get in front of you your executives. Like, what's well, the newest thing that gets your attention? And all of them in unison
1: said phone. See, and I, I think the app thing, it's just a way for us to avoid our fears of doing something difficult and scary and looking for instant gratification. What app can I go download that's going to suddenly help me book a bunch of meetings? It's, it's the wrong question to ask. It's just, just fear. of
0: I couldn't agree more. That's why I just get on the damn phones. And like, that's why I tell kids, like, look, what's the absolute worst thing that can happen when you get on a phone with a, a co-call? Like, I mean, unless you're blatantly disrespectful and doing something super unethical and shady, then, you know, you do that and they might call your boss and get you fired. Like that's okay. But that's you being a <laughs> douche. But if you're taking a legitimate approach and you're making a phone call and you might get a little bit more aggressive or whatever it is, the absolute worst thing they could do is, have up on you like that's why i don't understand that i mean i get the fear but if you have some fun with it then you can you can flip it around pretty easy well
1: Well, i I think think the fear fear comes from from this lizard brain concept concept. like Like, like, as humans i won't get into like brain science but we have this uh amygdala and that part of the brain developed in a time where humans lived in very small tribes Mm -hmm. and the reason we're scared of getting rejected on The phone in today's day and age when we don't live in tribes is our brain is built for the day and age when we did live in these small tribes. And if we got rejected from a tribe a million years ago, it literally meant we were going to die because we were (laughs) ostracized from the tribe. We were kicked out into the wilderness. You know, getting rejected was actually a big deal a million years ago. Now we live in these big metropolitan cities where our survival is not dependent on being accepted by one specific tribe. But our brain's evolution has not caught up, and so that if we get rejected, it's going to mean death in one way or another. So it's, I mean, cold calling success is really simple. I mean, it's not, it's not easy, but it's really simple. You just have to go against your brain's natural wiring. Like you're, you're going to be scared. Eventually, you'll do it enough, you won't be scared anymore. But initially, um, what separates successful people from unsuccessful people is can they take action in the face of fear. Interesting. I love that
0: because, and and actually, that leads to, to that's a great segue here for us as far as the data. Because you look at data and science and those type of things, and they tend to, you know, debunk a lot of stuff that our perception. Of is right, people say cold is dead, but I look at the data and I say, look, the kids who make cold calls actually have much higher conversion ratios than the kids that don't, right? People who are on the phones likewise. So we're gonna start with out of all the posts that you've done, because I want to dig into a couple of them. Um, but of all the posts you've done, has 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 data shown you something? Has there been kind of like for you personally, based on your experiences as an SDR and those type of things? Has there been something where data has shown you like, whoa, my perception was wrong because the data says this? Is there there something that kind of stands out that that we could learn from from that?
1: Yeah. So we analyze all different types of calls, discovery calls, demo, closing calls, cold calls. And there's actually a lot of counterintuitive insights, but I'll just talk about one since it it's kind of thematic and addresses what we've already been talking about which is cold calling in every type of sales call we've analyzed discovery calls demos etc there's been a strong correlation between talking less and success rate eventually closing the deal or moving it to the next step mm-hmm. except for cold calling so what we found in cold calling and this is correlation not necessarily causation i would like you know make sure that point is well understood is that successful cold calls actually involve higher talk to listen ratios on the reps part longer monologues where it's like the rep was talking for a very long time uninterrupted and very little talking from the customer's end and again how you interpret that data is important and Probably many people have different interpretations of that data, which means correlation and causation are different things. But what that means to me is that cold calling is not about discovery. If you open a cold call and say, John, what are your biggest strategic priorities coming into this year? You're probably going to laugh in my face or hang up on me. Cold calling is about making a highly targeted and resonant pitch to sell the meeting, And the best way you can do that is knowing your buyers. Part of that is research, and that's going to be on the shoulders of the rep or the SDR. But I mean, maybe I'm biased. A lot of that comes down to product marketing. Is product marketing helping you understand your buyer personas, their pain points? Are they doing research into the market to arm you to speak resonantly? Or are you going in and guessing?
0: I I absolutely love that um because I, I I preach that. So one of the things I use to to train reps on is, you know, the the old school Glengar Glengarter Glenn Ross, right? Which whatever, <laughs> terrible mo- Like great movie, bad but depressing as shit. Awesome, <laughs> movie, right? Um, but, but in there, you know, Alec, when he does is always be closing, whatever, but he talks about AIDA, right? Attention, interest, desire, action. And I looked that up 1898, a guy by the name of St. Elmo Lewis came up with, he said, these are the four mental stages, right? We have to go through before we buy something First, something needs to get our attention. Then we have to be interested Then we have to have a desire. So what I say, you know, you have five to 15 seconds to get someone's attention that earns you a couple of minutes where you can create interest. And that's what you're selling. When you're making cold calls, you are not selling your solution. You are selling time. You are selling interest. You are selling the next step. So, So that makes total sense to me on a cold call that because you're, I, I, I couldn't agree more where some kid calls me up out of nowhere and says, so, John, tell me about your priorities for the year. And what are you? And I'm like, hey, "Fuck off!" like, who are you? Right. <laughs> but if somebody comes at me and says, hey, John, thanks for taking my call real quick. The reason for my call today is we're showing VPs of sales like you in your industry how to drive these type of results with our solution. And I just wanted to see if that was worth having a deeper dive conversation into.
1: Like, yeah, good cold calling follows the same rule as really good writing. So like if if you've ever studied writing, there is a rule that says the purpose of every sentence you write is to compel the reader to read the next sentence. Oh, right. And cold callings should be exactly the same. You should be economical with your words, not frivolous. Every word and every sentence you say should design designed to prolong the conversation, whether it's getting them talking or getting them listening to your next sentence, which in turn is designed to get them to linger.
0: Yeah, Uh, that's awesome, man, because I I think that's what a lot of people uh, make the mistake of when cold calling or leaving voicemail messages is they're literally trying to sell their product or service during that call. So they treat it as a quick discovery or something. Let me ask you 15 questions before I you know, throw up on you, or, you know, let me just tell you literally everything about what we do to see if you're interested in buying from it. But if you segment that down into five, that's why I love the AIDA, because it's the same thing with uh, emails, right? The subject line gets my attention. The first sentence tells me whether or not I'm interested in having this conversation, like in reading the rest of it. The next part is your value proposition to create my desire to say, oh, I want that. And then there's your call to action. Yep. Right? It's the same thing with calls. Literally, the first few words that come out of my mouth make a difference. So go ahead.
1: No, well, I was just going to say um, the, what I was thinking the entire time are – Selling does not come down to knowing what tactics, it doesn't come down to knowing the tactics and strategies, it comes down to knowing which tactics and strategies apply to which situation. Because ADA, you know, if you took that as a generalized strategy to apply to all of your sales calls, you'd fail miserably. You know, if you enter a discovery call, and yeah. you're thinking in terms of ADA, not going to work. But yeah. when you apply ADA to your cold call and, you know, I won't be attached to the methodology here, but spin or solution selling to your discovery yeah. and challenger your sale to your presentation, that's where like super successful people or th- that's where people become super successful at selling. They know which tactics apply to which parts of the sales cycle. No, I love it. And that,
0: and that it's actually interesting because that going back to the A, right? A- attention. You put out a post a little while ago that, that helped and hurt me So, <laughs> based on data, right? Because you've heard me, you know, everybody who learns one of my favorite nuggets is, and I say this, like when you introduce yourself, it matters, Right? So when you call up and say, hi, blah, 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 this is John Barrows from so-and-so, that actually automatically puts the, the, the buyer in a mindset of, oh, this is a sales rep. Let me figure out how I can get off this call. So you want to disrupt that a little bit. So, so we talk about powerful and weak introductions. And one of my favorite powerful introductions, and I'm psyched it was on your list, um, is the reason for my call is, right? Mm-hmm. So it gets right to the point. But you brought up another one that I rail against as like <laughs> the shittiest way to introduce yourself. But you said it was like the number one way. And so data, I've stopped shitting on it as much. But it's the hey, how you doing today? Or yeah. the better one, which was how have you been?
1: How have you been was so so here's a couple things I would say about this. First, I have two. Number one, you can't compare how have you been to the reason for my call because they are different openers that can be used in conjunction. They serve different purposes. So one is not better than the other. Um, In fact, I would say like just, you know, based on my own intuition, not data, the reason for my call is actually a better opener because it's timeless. It's built on like human psychology, humans crave reasons. Whereas how have you been is going to have a shelf life. Yeah. I can't ever since I published that article, I've probably gotten 30 cold calls where somebody thought it was clever and cheesy to open with, Hey, Chris, how have you been? Yeah. The first time I thought it was funny, the second time I was already past it. I was like, I need to write a new post already because this one's already dead. Yeah. <laughs> so, that that's one point I would make is, uh, the timeless stuff, like stating the reason for the call, is what you really need to master. This other stuff has shelf lives. Like, did I catch you at a bad time? At one point, it was probably successful. We found out that it's 40% less successful than our baseline, um, which goes to show a lot of these techniques have shelf lives and you need to be on the cutting edge of your profession.
0: Uh, and that's why I talk about split testing and trying new things all the time because what, 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 Work last year is not working anymore. You know that I rail on that, that, uh, that shitty, uh, breakup email of one, two, three stuck under a rock or getting chased by a hippo. Right. Yeah. So three years ago when sales loft came up with that, it worked like a charm. Yeah.
1: Because you know, the first, I thought it was hilarious. Crazy, yeah. And now I'm like, as annoyed by it as you are. <laughs> like,
0: because you know, The first time you get that, you're like, Oh no, I'm not stuck under a rock. Right. But then <laughs> the, the very next time you get that, you're like, Oh shit, this is a technique. Right. So, so that's yeah. why I think what you guys are doing with the data. Uh, and Brian Carville asked, like, uh, Brian, just go to Gong.io uh, and go to their blog. We'll post it in the in the uh, questions here. But um, he said, hey, how can I get to that? Um, and it looks like uh, we just posted it there. So, um, but that's why, like, gaining insights out of that data uh, is invaluable right now to keep reps on top of what is that what's working now, even, um, subject lines. Like I, I tell reps and here's a tip for everybody listening, but you know, people ask me, John, what's a good subject line. I'm like, I don't know, because again, it changes so frequently. So just go on, literally go on Google and type in best subject lines, 2018. And somebody like Gong on the email side of the house is doing research and reports on high open rates, low open rates, those type of things. And you just have to follow those trends.
1: Yeah because
0: yeah. there are some fundamentals and I think a lot of the fundamentals and I appreciate you kind of bringing this stuff up is based on the psychology of humans and and how we are wired. So I yeah. don't think I think that is is going to be that's why I when people ask me John what books do you recommend? I don't usually recommend sales books. I recommend psychology books. Like yeah. influence by Robert Cialdini or selling with NLP, you know, the unfair advantage, those type of things. Because human psychology is a science that is historic and has lots of data points, whereas sales has minimal data points and changes on a regular basis, right?
1: Yeah, and speaking of uh, – it just reminded me of it it because you said influenced by Robert Cialdini um, stating the reason for your call. They did like this research. You're probably familiar with this if you read the book, but they – yeah they had a bunch of people go up and ask if they could cut in line to make a xerox copy and like 43 percent of the people said sure right. and then they said hey can i cut in line because i have to make a copy For a copy. The reason that is not valid it's like obvious but because they said the word because and then stated a reason there was 94 percent compliance i think that's the right number and that hasn't changed so just like you're saying like 80% of your studying and self-development should be on this timeless stuff, psychology, behavioral economics, understanding like how the human brain makes decisions, and then spend the rest of your time experimenting with new techniques and evolving your approach.
0: Love it. Yeah, that's, uh, it, I, it's so important to stay. To, that's why I think psychology majors a lot of times make bet, the best sales reps because they understand how human interaction works as opposed to just using a technique, because I was told to use a technique, they understand fundamentally why. And and that reason, by the way, translates into one of the next questions I'll ask is questioning. Um, I I actually think, I found that by giving people the reason for my question, they're way more open to giving me the answer. So for instance, a lot of times when you ask the question, right, it's the the, the person on the the, the client or the prospect is kind of like, all right, sales rep, why sure, triggers
1: defensiveness, that, right?
0: Because yeah. in the back of their head, they're like, why are you asking that question? And what are you going to do with it? Right. <laughs> so what I do is I tell them why I'm asking that question. So I'll say, Hey, you know, could you help me understand what are the priorities when your CEO stood up in the beginning of the year and said, these are the three things like, what, what were those three things? The reason I ask is because if I can't impact those, then it's not worth us having this conversation.
1: I love that. I, I, I wish I have tried that in my career and like had that insight uh that that you just had but uh that's new to me that and i think it's amazing i want to i want to go test it out
0: so try it out it's it's a game changer because you'll literally hear the person be like oh okay, you know what i mean like oh well okay i love um, it and so as that relates to questioning you know one of the things that the, the most recent one and then you know we've got about three minutes left here but um the, the closing one you said closing techniques are dead um now i train closing techniques though so obviously you know we can have a debate on this for a whole other show but what was the big takeaway because i think the takeaway here was was more important than the than the title um but what did you find with the data about closing and the success of closing as it relates to the closing call versus the discovery call
1: yeah and in, in, in hindsight um I probably could have chosen a better title for that article oh, because.
0: because you got me to open to, to,
1: it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, um, what we found is that we analyzed all of the calls throughout a sales cycle. And I went to my data science team and said, hey, we haven't analyzed closing calls yet. Let's look at the difference between a successful closing call, one that leads to a closed deal, and one that leads to a lost deal. And they poured over the data and I poured over the data for weeks. And there was literally not a single difference that we could find, except for one, which I'll direct the listeners to the article to find out. But the point is, there was no difference between these closing calls that led to success or not success. And there were wild, stark differences between calls that happened earlier in the sales cycle. And so, long story short, the takeaway is... The things you do early on set the trajectory more so than the things you do late in the game. If you had a shitty discovery call and a shitty demo and then you get on a closing call and I don't care how much conviction you uh you know exude through your tonality or whatever the hell people are saying these days, if you didn't do the front end of the sales cycle right, no slick line is going to help you close no amount of belief in your product and you know vision none of that's going to help you but if you set the stage right early on and then at the end you simply exercise decisiveness which is really what closing is I hate the I don't hate the word closing but I don't think it's an accurate word I think the right word I can see why this is not adopted because it's clunky it's exercising decisiveness on behalf of your prospect now that comes into play. So uh, I I feel like that was a very roundabout way of me (laughs) trying to explain that. uh, I I
0: think the closing. So I think the big misperception that people have on closing is that it happens at the end. What, what you reinforce, which is what I train, which makes me feel better about training the techniques, is that closing happens at every single stage of the sales process to get a next step, to close on um, them getting, you know, you getting more information or whatever it is. And so understanding the assumptive close the trial, close those type of things, but how to apply them early and ask better questions and layer and stuff like that sets up the close. Now I I never agree that closing just happens. I do believe you have to just ask the question and, but sometimes it can be as simple as, so when are you going to sign that contract? And when, when should I expect the signature? I mean, that that's as simple as it could be at that point, but early on is exactly early on is, is making sure you're doing all those right things because ultimately that's why I disagree with a lot of, you know, I'm not going to name any names but there are some sales trainers, some sales training orgs out there that still are wolf of wall street, stuff it down your throat, what you don't want to make money, blah blah blah. <laughs> well, I don't know what like dude, like fuck you. If if some if some rep, I mean maybe that's good for used car salesmen still. But in the world of B two B selling, hardcore closing techniques at the end of the sale are are s- uh, about as old school as it gets, and data shows are absolute bullshit. So yeah, thank you, so. yeah. <laughs> awesome, Chris. Well, I, look, I uh, we I think we can have this conversation. I, we could go all day with this conversation because I got so many questions around the data, but. I'm going to recommend everybody because a lot of the questions that I guarantee you have about cold calling, you know, uh Clarissa, for instance, she asked, "With today's busy busy world, and cold calling really effective?" Yes, it is if done right, Clarissa. And if your audience under, you know, if your audience is on the phone, there are some audiences that don't have phone or whatever it is. So yeah, that so understand your ICP, understand your personas. But get better on the phone. We didn't even talk about all the other stuff that we said before this, Chris, as far as where, where voice is going with Alexa and Google Home and that type of stuff. All you have to do is a follow-up.
1: We, we have to have another one of these. <laughs>
0: we absolutely have a follow-up because I'm, all I'm going to say to those, those skeptics out there is look at the data that, that Gong is putting out there. And all you got to do is follow the money. Amazon, Google, Microsoft, like literally the biggest companies in the world are putting all of their money into voice. So if you're not into voice in some way, shape or form, there's a strong possibility you are going to miss out on a massive opportunity coming up here in the near future. So with that, Chris, tell everybody where they can find out more information about Gong and you and everything else. And if they've got questions that they can
1: ask. Yeah I, yeah, I would say just connect with just me, on me on LinkedIn, LinkedIn. Uh, Chris Orlob, uh, Orlob as in boy. As in boy. Um, and take a look uh, at the the posts we've put on LinkedIn. Not just our blog; they're going to be the same content, but LinkedIn has the benefit of hundreds and hundreds of comments, and they're always really interested to or interesting to read through. So connect with me on LinkedIn, Chris Orlob. If you're interested in Gong, check out our website, Gong.io, gong.io. gio
0: the new beautiful gong website yeah (laughs) (laughs) awesome chris well thank you so much we're definitely gonna have you back on here uh in in a month or two but i really appreciate your time and uh everybody keep the questions coming keep crushing it out there get on the phones but do it right and have some fun with it ladies and gentlemen have a great week and make it happen later